Hi, my name is Beth and I'm a psychological wellbeing practitioner from Newcastle. I just wanted to say the biggest thank you to the contributors of the Clinical Psychologist Collective book. I've enjoyed reading this so much and loved having an insight into the range of backgrounds and experiences people have prior to applying for the doctorate and it's been really interesting seeing the potential barriers to the application as well and how I can try and work around this. I really started to doubt myself and whether I was good enough to apply for the clinical psychology doctorate but this has really given me the confidence boost that I needed to give it a shot so the biggest thank you ever. If you're looking to become a psychologist Then let this be your guide With this podcast at your side You'll be on your way to being qualified It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast With Dr. Marianne Trent Hi, welcome along to the Aspiring Psychologist podcast. I hope you're finding the content really useful. Thank you for listening and for being part of my world. It's so greatly appreciated. What we're going to talk to you about today is thinking about, so I've got my first kind of relevant experience post and it might be that you have got like an assistant psychologist post or, you know, research assistant post or something else which feels like you know, the next step that you've been striving for. And then you're like, so now what? You know, what do I do now? Now I've got to where I wanted to be. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, this isn't anywhere near where I am right now, you know, perhaps you're a psychology student or a psychology undergraduate and you're thinking, Well, you know, I'll tune out because it's not for me. I would say listen still because it can still be super useful to think about covering these bases before you get there. Um, And, you know, I think this is stuff that I would have wished that I knew before I got there. So I hope you will still find it really useful too. And it's all part of the process. You know, it will be your time um, and it will come and good things will happen. But we have to kind of, you know, do the bits below to build our knowledge and our skills and our experience and to build our readiness for for, for that and our ability to be able to talk confidently about what we're doing and why. So, yeah, I hope that you will find this really useful. So maybe this uh, new job or new post offer feels like a really exciting, you know, tangible step. And I remember when I was, um, I'd just done my GCSEs and I got my GCSE results and I felt like, oh, okay, finally, I've got something that kind of helps me put my abilities and my confidence kind of under my belt a little bit um you know kind of proof that I know what I'm doing and I'm doing all right and for me those GCSE results felt like the first kind of thing you know that proved that that demonstrated that and you know my first assistant psychologist post felt similar you know it was a sign to myself and to the world and others outside oh you know she's I'm she's heading you know towards that goal and that's 
tangible proof that actually this isn't all futile. So yeah, I hope you find that as a useful way of thinking about that, because I certainly did. And I know I said either in the, I think it was the first episode of the podcast, you know, that people might say, oh, you don't get it. You know, why don't you go off and do something different, like be, you know, a buyer for Argos or whatever it was I was doing at the time. They just didn't, they didn't get why this was so important to me. They didn't get why I was, you know, so upset that I couldn't find even any, you know, assistant psychologist posts to apply for. And when I did, you know, why I was so distressed when they were closing before I'd even got home from work to apply for them. Um, So yeah, you know, you're allowed to be on your own team, even if those around you don't get it. You always need to be on your own team. And, you know, we do doubt ourselves as humans. It's part of our incredibly tricky brains. Um, But, yeah, you know, you're allowed to have that self-belief and that self-importance about why you're doing it. Um, And that hopefully with, uh, you know, the requisite stripes that you earn along your path, um, you know, you'll get there. Um, good things will happen for you. But yeah, be on your own team, even if those around you are giving you kind of disharmony. You know, they're not singing in unison with you. Um, they might be singing a completely different tune. Um, and that's okay. You're allowed to sing your own tune. And when I think about, you know, my other jobs that I've had in the past, yeah, that, you know, They would have sustained me and fulfilled me for a time. But really, you know, to quote Princess Poppy, um, they just weren't my jam. You know, they didn't ignite and enliven me and they weren't they weren't a bit of me. And so it's okay to keep striving for the stuff that feels authentic, that feels like it is going to light you up. Because even though I love my job, I love what I do, there are still some days where I'd rather, you know, just sit around and watch Netflix. (laughs) Um, But on the whole, you know, actually, I'm really excited when I wake up and I realise it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday or Friday. I'm like, oh, yay! I get to do my business today. I get to do the stuff I love and I get to see clients, um, you know, and I've got a, quite a nice balance that Mondays and Fridays are, um, are days where I do just stuff for my um, business development or stuff in the background. And sometimes I don't do anything at all. Um, you know, I went off recently to a Van Gogh exhibition on a Friday um, and had lunch, which was really nice. Um, last week I had my hair done on a Friday and today I speak to you on a Friday as I'm recording podcast episodes. So I've managed to stack my week and organise it so that I've got a bit more breathing space on a Monday and a Friday. Um, And, you know, you might be hearing that thinking, oh, it's okay for you. You know, I can't do that in the service I'm working in. And, you know, I hear you. I've been there. I've been there for sure. I hope that, you know, your experiences along the way and, you know, everything that you're doing and everything you're hearing from me, hopefully, helps you build confidence and a belief that you can build a career for yourself that feels really energizing and that feels really exciting and that allows you to be your authentic self. So, um, you know, some of the early feedback I've had from this podcast and certainly someone I was speaking to earlier um, about a university presentation that I'm going to be doing, you know, she said, well, we've asked you to do it um, because we like how, you know, how okay you are with being yourself and how naturally you talk. So, 
I hope you find that um, to be the case um, too and that you can lean in to your own abilities to be authentic to yourself. Um, You're enough, you know, and what you've got to say and the way you think about the world is important and valid. Um, This is quite a long introduction to this, isn't it? You know, but it's all relevant. You know, I've got to I've got to boost you out and send you out there into the world to do these really good things. And, you know, I know I've got a lot of strings to my bow currently, um, but I feel like, you know, everything I've do and everything I've got is underpinned by my core foundations you know my experiences as a qualified psychologist and within every session you know within every podcast episode within every you know thing I write for the media I carry with me each individual client session each individual supervision session um, and each individual lecture I've been to um, you know because of the way that we build um, over time as clinicians um, I'm multi-layered you know and I'm uh, you know I'm built of a lot of the words of others um, and the experience of others and I'm pretty fortunate that you know on the whole I've been surrounded by people that really like me and get me and are on my team but um, you know it's important to tune in to the quality um, of the you know the voices you're hearing to think about whether actually what they're asking of you is reasonable what their opinions of you are you know are based on actual facts and not just their own um, you know beliefs and opinions so um yeah tune into tune into what you're thinking about what you're doing um and just listen to um you know whether whether the feedback you're getting if it's not great is feeling like it's coming from a place that's trying to help you be different or better um whether it's kind of constructive feedback so well done you you've got this job You've got this job that you've really, really been excited for. So, you know, you've had the moment of seeing the job advert or hearing about it for the first time. And you just, you know, you read it and you think, that's it. That's my job. That's happening. That's happening for me. And I got that when I applied for my first assistant post that I did get. Believe me, I applied for a fair few that I didn't even get interviewed for. So, um, but yeah, the one I got, um, you know, I thought, yeah, this is it. You know, I am ready for this. This is mine. And the same with my um, second assistant paid post. Um, I just saw it and I was like, that's mine. That is my job and I'm coming for it Um, and nothing is stopping me. I'm just going to be relentless about it. This is my job. Um, Whereas in contrast for my first qualified job, um, yeah, I just... (laughs) I'm really excited about the opportunity um, but there were so few jobs at the time um, that I don't know if I actually would have ended up working in CAMS um, if it hadn't just been that they you know they offered me the job but it ended up working out completely beautifully for my first four years of qualified so you know you've got this job you've got the job offer perhaps you're waiting out your notice at your old job and those can be slow and painful weeks um but you you know maybe you're listening to this you know about to start your new job or maybe you're um 
you know you haven't got a job at the moment and you're going to your to your dream job or next job and you're like so now what so i thought it'd be really useful to tell you about some of the things that i've done um ahead of um you know chunks in my life um where there's been you know transitions so when i got my first um paid assistant post um i took um a week off of unpaid leave in between my jobs um and that might not be achievable for you um you know depending on your circumstances but for me it always feels like a little bit of golden time you know to be able to have a little rest and a little recharge um and to help me transition from one stage of my life to the next and um i actually went away with my mum we went away to spain um for a few days um and rented an apartment there um with a pool and you know we were eating nice food and having some sunshine and you know reading and you know having some naps and you know long lions and things and um that was a really nice way for me to be able to go from um a relevant job but not um under a qualified psychologist to my first assistant psychologist post under um a clinical psychologist this felt like the big real deal but i also absolutely had this pressure of oh what enough what 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 am i enough can this you know, can I really do this? You know, I've told them I can. Um, and so I did lean into the pressure to um, to feel like I knew a little bit about what I was doing. And so I did ask my um, soon-to-be supervisor um, whether there was any reading uh, recommended. And I believe she would have recommended, you know, a forensic older adult book or something along those lines or working with an impatient population. So I did read that from my sun lounger just to feel like I was getting myself versed in you know the right conversations even in my head you know the right language to be using to talk about those things so um, that might be something that you feel like would be useful um, but also know that you are enough you know they have um, they've offered you the job because you're the best person for the job you know with your knowledge skills and experience so you know do know that you um you are enough you know and actually i think with retrospect and with hindsight i what i realize is that probably what i was wanting was to walk into that job on day one and feel like i'd been there six months but that's not realistic you know all of us need time to grow into new roles um and you know we're going to be different to others, you know, so it might be that they're taking on um, someone else new in your team at the same time. And that was certainly the case for me. Uh, my friend, um, well, she's now a friend. I didn't know her before, um, but we both were offered um, a job at the same time um, in the same service. Um, and yeah, you know, we, we're different clinicians and we were there and uh, then and that has to be OK. You know, we can't necessarily be comparing ourselves to other people um, in the team or the service um, because that's just not gonna you know it's not gonna lead to happy outcomes for us because you need to be your genuine self um, and they've obviously offered the job to you and so you know well done you so I always think it's also quite nice to mark um, to mark these achievements tangibly and my husband always says you're not a dog <laughs> you don't need a treat and I'm like yes I do 
yes I do so it might not be food related but you know it might be that um, you know I buy myself some new clothes to um, match this milestone in my life so I definitely had like an assistant psychologist wardrobe um, some of them are still around now I won't lie um, and you know a pair of shoes that I could look down at my feet um, if I was feeling like I was floundering and think oh yes Yes, I am an assistant psychologist because I'm wearing my assistant psychologist shoes. Um, So that might be useful for you as well to feel like you're wearing your, you know, significant job uniform. And, you know, I still I still treat myself like a dog now. um, You know, when I sold the first um, I decided in my head a batch number of how many um, our tricky brain kits um, it would take and then I'd celebrate by buying myself a nice perfume that I'd wanted for a while so um, I definitely rewarded myself like a dog then Um, and you might find it helpful to have you know a new perfume or fragrance um, in your life as well to you know signify you know I'm I'm an assistant psychologist now I'm a research assistant this is my this is the fragrance I wear <laughs> to celebrate and mark you know where I am right now and also know that all of us sometimes sit at our desk and think <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing and it's that case of um, the imposter syndrome showing up um, and I'm just thinking now about um, a resource um, that shows you know I think it's our levels of danger as we go forward in our careers so to begin with we feel like we know absolutely loads and we'll tell anybody who listens about it and then as we go forward in time we realize how little we know and that's when our imposter syndrome um, sets in so what I'll do is I'll I'll tidy up um, what I've just said and put it into a resource that you can download so the details of that will be through the show notes so um, check that out um, if that sounds like that would be useful for you. And I would say as you go forward in your career, it's always okay to not know, you know, and to level with um, level with clients or supervisors, you know, or whoever you're working with. Actually, I'm not sure. You know, I was tempted to wing it there. But um, yeah, I don't know the answer. And I did that as recently as um, last week. Um, I said to a client well I'm I'm not quite sure about that that's not cropped up for me before but let's think about what that would mean to you and let's think about how we could come up with a plan that feels like it would be you know robust enough um and at the end I said well how did it feel when I said that I didn't really I didn't really know this hadn't cropped up before um I hadn't used this particular resource in this way with a client before and so we'd need to kind of create that for ourselves and you know the client said well you know it is it is what it is you know it's I wouldn't want you to be lying you know and just you know trying to look like you're winging it um it's okay and because you know because people are bespoke um there cannot be one one size fits all so um yeah even today someone spoke to me about an honor honor i can't even say it um an honor i'm going to leave this in as well i'm going to leave this in the podcast edit so that you realize that i am human an honorarium and they started then launching off to thinking about this honorarium and i said i'm oh, sorry but i don't know what an honorarium is um you know i imagine it means it's kind of free-ish but um yeah you're gonna have to fill me in there so yeah then she had to tell me what an honorarium is yeah google it um So what did I do um, literally minutes after getting my first um, assistant post? Well, um, 
you know, to begin with, I was by myself, you know, I was um, in my partner at times uh, flat and I was by myself and I just felt like, ah, amazing. Like, um, and then I waited for him to get home um, and he said, oh, how did it go? How did the interview go? And I said, oh, I didn't get the job. I got a different one. Yay. Um, because, um, yeah, there was one job advertised and I didn't get that job, but they liked me and said that actually there's another job coming up and they'd like me for that one. So um, that's how that worked. So, um, yeah. And we just, you know, I just felt really, really happy and really, really excited and, you know, ready for this next step of my of my journey um, towards being what for me was a clinical psychologist. But I appreciate that you might be listening to this as an aspiring sports psychologist or, um, you know, a forensic or health or counselling, um, occupational educational so many lovely um directions your career could take so um i hope that this is relevant and i welcome any feedback you know if you feel like actually the way i talk about things isn't relevant for relevant for your particular discipline give me a shout and let me know because i want this to be you know useful for all aspiring psychologists that's the plan of course i'm going to speak most convincingly about clinical psychology because of course that's what i've done um, and that's my experience but i hope that all of you listening regardless of what your own discipline is that you find there is a reason to stick around and to hang about Okay, we're going to take a short break here and I will be back to talk to you about growing into those um, relevant experience shoes. Speak to you soon. If you're looking to become a psychologist, then let this be your guide. Filled with lessons and experience that will help you get The Clinical Psychologist Collective is a fantastic read for aspiring clinical psychologists. This book provides insights from real trainees and qualified psychologists. They offer their advice, hope and encouragement to aspiring clinical psychologists. This book helps to put in perspective the variety of journeys people take to become qualified. I would recommend this book to anyone interested in the D-ClinSci.
Oh, honestly, is it just me who could listen to my jingle guy's voice all day? Sometimes I feel like it's going to move me to tears. It's just lovely. So, yeah, I hope you love having these jingles in your head because I, I, sing, I sing them constantly. So, my first uh, assistant post, honestly, I did not know I was born. Um, you know, I had my own office that I shared with my with my colleague. Um, and, um, you know, the, I was in private practice and so there was uh, the stationary budget was limitless and so we were given the stationary catalogue and, you know, invited to flick through it and order what we wanted, basically. So we had a nice spongy sort of wrist support mouse mat and a wrist support thing for the keyboard and you know a desk tidy (laughs) you know and when I compare that to when I worked in the NHS as an assistant I didn't even have my own desk and I did some sessions in a cupboard Um, and then when I was qualified um, everyone loves agile working right Um, you know I didn't even have a chair Um, you know I really didn't know I was born so if you find that you've got like a really good setup and you've you know got your own chair (laughs) celebrate that Um, you know tag me in on LinkedIn (laughs) let's celebrate your own chair put put a sign on it you know saying your name and your chair spin around on it do your own office chair olympics you know yeah you've got your own chair you've made it in life um so yeah that's certainly more than i've had across my career at times but you know we are able to bring out a game regardless of um, our settings hopefully but yeah agile agile working is an ace for me you know I remember when I was um, working at Argos head office um, I kind of had those little baffle boards around my desk and I had pictures of when I'd been away traveling um, to be able to look on when times felt hard so I like um, you know I like having nice things to look at I like having pictures that feel significant that feel important important so um yeah i think i i definitely operate best with my own space um that's mine i don't have to sanitize the keyboard um you know so that's 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 where i will operate um optimally for me but if you're currently having your own agile working challenges then i hear you so when I got my first qualified post, it had been off the back of the recession that was happening at the time. Um, and there were very, very few jobs. And at that time, places on clinical training were reducing, um, not mid-cohort or anything. That would be <laughs> catastrophic. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Oh, it wasn't like that. Um, but, you know, suddenly we were a cohort of 15 and then the year after us were 17. And the year after that, I think, went down it might have been 15 again or it might have been below that but um, I think at one point they had a cohort of 10 which is very different um, to a cohort of 15 um, so yeah the times times they were changing at that time um, so actually when I qualified as a, as a qualified psychologist I had no job to go to I'd been to a fair few interviews um, but I had no job to go to and actually I found that I kept getting pipped to the post by people that had already been qualified for a few years um, and you know I was I was good enough at that time as a newly qualified band seven but it's very hard to compete with somebody who you know might be stepping down from an 8A to come and do band seven um, or you know to to compete with any qualified psychologist that had been doing it for a while um, because I was of course 
fresh off my um, clinical doctorate boat. Um, and so, yeah, that's I just found that I kept losing out until I didn't, you know, until I got um, my first qualified post. Um, and at that point, yeah, I had a little bit of downtime. So I finished in September, then I had October off and November off. And I think at some point in November, I knew I was going to be starting. And so at the beginning of um, the beginning of December, I did start my job. Um, and yeah, I had a little bit of time, you know, eating lots of things with lentils in to try and make the money go further um, and drawing on my savings a bit as much as possible. And also, my, you know, my partner, partner who's now my husband, um, wasn't going to see me destitute and out on the street because that would have meant he was on the street as well. Um, so, you know, just had to get through it um, because, of course, what we know about certainly about the clinical doctorate is that it's a period of training contract so long as you meet those milestones and you get there and you know you do what you're supposed to be doing then with any luck you will become a qualified psychologist but there is no guarantee of a job and that was absolutely allowed you know around loud and clear um, when I was qualifying in 2011 so um, there will be an ebb and a flow you know sometimes there will be more jobs and sometimes there will be less um, but yeah happily I was able to start work um, in uh, the tail end of um, 2011 in time to get paid for Christmas which is always really nice but what I like about this time off between jobs is that ability to reflect and to consolidate and to allow myself to transition to this next step this next stage um, because they are significant and they matter and you know I just like a little bit of pause and you know what we talk about is rest and digest um, you know just to you know just do a bit less, you know, breathe a bit more. Um, if that was now, I'd be probably going out for runs and stuff more. Um, I think I was less fixated on um, any kind of exercise at the time, probably doing Pilates and things like that. But um, yeah, I would, now I'm a mummy, I'm super good at using time off, um, you know, to its optimal ability. So when I first started my first qualified job, um, I'll, you know, I'll be forever grateful to my um, manager at the time because, you know, she was super excited that I joined the team, which is always lovely. Um, but, you know, there weren't kid gloves and I thought I needed kid gloves. I thought I needed, you know, when you are newly qualified, you know, you're going to have to like you know, work up to doing X, Y and Z and um you know, there wasn't that, you know, it's like, well, you, you are a qualified psychologist, you are the real deal, you know, you've earned your stripes, now go. Um, but it wasn't like my caseload built as a flood immediately, that bit um, you know, trickled in, in a gradual, predictable way. Um, but yeah, there wasn't that period of, you know, oh, you know, just see how you go, get used to making decisions, you know, get used to doing that and being part of the team. You know, sometimes I was just sent to kind of, you know, be in a meeting um, as the psychologist in the team. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't um, it wasn't like I was shadowing a proper psychologist who knew what they were doing. You know, I was it. Um, and that was actually really helpful for me. It didn't feel like being chucked into deep water. It felt like someone was believing in me. And so bear that in mind if you find that you're feeling a bit floundery. You know, maybe it's actually a mark of someone's confidence in your ability to do that job. But if you feel like things are overwhelming, always shout out about that. Uh, as I said before, my, um, you know, I like to mark occasions and chapters with wardrobe. So I definitely had a qualified psychologist wardrobe 
Um, and I was forever gutted that um, my favourite I'm a qualified psychologist address um, got a hole ripped in it by my NHS lanyard, which made me really sad because I loved that dress and it just wasn't repairable. Um, you know, where the hole was, it just wasn't repairable. So look after your um, favourite I'm a assistant psychologist or um, I'm a you know research assistant psychologist outfits because, um, yeah, NHS lanyards don't always like them. So as I said, I love celebrating your successes. So um, please do come and connect with me on socials. Um, I am really easy to find on um, certainly LinkedIn. I'm Dr. Marianne Trent. Tag me in or, um, you know, some other way. Let me know about this post and I will help you celebrate because it's big and it's important. And well done you. If you are listening on YouTube, um, then please subscribe and like and comment and click that little notification bell to be told when I produce more content. My kids told me to say that. They spend a lot of their time watching YouTube. They love it. And I said, Mummy, you've got to start asking people to click the notification bell. So there you go, kids. Mummy's done it. Um, They also want me to have merch. Uh, we were uh, shopping uh, with my eldest um, a few months ago and there was um, a shopping list and on the back of it was um, like a picture of the Grief Collective book and my eldest was like, Mummy, quick, stick it on your back and call it merch. <laughs> it really made me laugh and I was like, well, no, because then I won't know what I need to buy and I'll also look very silly. Um, so, yeah, no plans to launch any merch coming soon, guys. But, yeah, subscribe like you know tell your friends do all those lovely things to help me to be able to create um, and continue to create this hopefully useful quality content for you as an aspiring psychologist whatever the stage of your journey you are at thank you so much for listening and i will look forward to catching up with you very soon take care if you're looking to become a psychologist then let this be your guide this podcast at your side You'll be on your way to being qualified It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast With Dr. Marianne Trent My name is Diakolola Amujo I am a recent psychology graduate from Ireland I am also an aspiring clinical psychologist. Dr. Marion's book, The Clinical Psychologist Collective, has been so helpful to me on this journey to becoming a clinical psychologist. As I plan to continue postgraduate studies in the UK, I found it extremely useful that this book provided in-depth information on the UK DeClinSci application process. I enjoyed reading about the experiences of both qualified and trainee clinical psychologists. The various narratives were my favorite part of the book, as everyone's story was different and it provided amazing insights into the clinical psychology journey. I would definitely recommend this book to anyone interested in psychology and aspires to become a clinical psychologist.